Hey guys, this is Dagon123, and welcome to... TAKEACAST! Hello everyone, and welcome to the next exciting episode of TenchiCast, presented by TenchiForum.com. Whether you know it as Isekai no Seikishi Monogatari, Saint Knight's Tale, or the more recent Tenchi Muyo War on Geminar, the latest spin-off in the Tenchi OVA continuity has been doing pretty well over here, and it's about time we dedicated a full episode to discussion. Today with me I have Chuck... Welcome to the party, everybody. Pi. Hello, everyone. JG. We need more duel. Ryoko fan. That's right. I'm Slive. Shadow. What's up, everybody? And who? Witty one-liner. Yay! First and foremost, how do you feel about the show known as Seikishi Monogatari being called... Tenchi Muyo War on Geminar. Well, um, as many of you probably know, I am relatively new to this fandom, so but not so new that we always had Geminar. In fact, when I first came across this show, it was known to the verbally brave as Iseki no Sekishi Monogatari, or Saint Knight's Tale, which I personally found to be a much better name than the previous mentioned Japanese name. Uh, and that's how I originally watched it, in fan-sub form, and that's how I always really enjoyed calling it, and I still catch myself every once in a while having to say, no, it's not called St. Knight's Tale anymore, now it's called War on Geminar, but as far as calling it Tenshi Muyo War on Geminar, I think we all will probably agree that it's very misleading, but I can understand why Funimation did it. They recently acquired, they probably paid some money to get all of Tenshi, most of Tenshi, I should say. And they wanted to tie this in and try and boost its sales that way. So I can understand from a marketing perspective why they would call it Tenshi Muyo War on Geminar. But as far as it being Tenshi Muyo, there's really not all that much in the way of connection to the main Tenshi Muyo story that we've all come to expect. So I guess I'm fine with it. I can understand why. And if it if it boosts sales and gets the show out to more people, I'm fine with it. But... I would still prefer it to be St. Knight's Tale. That's just my personal take on it. I'm pretty much going to echo a lot of what Chuck said, except maybe being a bit more specific about it. Tenshi Muyo War on Geminar implies that you'd have most of the Tenshi Muyo cast. You'd also probably know that this is the world Geminar in some way, shape, or form. Having rewatched the series and subs this week, I realized that there's a lot of conceptual things that crop up in the series that reflect a lot of the Tenshi Muyo stuff. You have artificial life forms, you have Lighthawk wings, you have this t- a lot of staple Tenshi things that crop up, and you have sort of cameos by Washu and Ryooki, and I mean sort of in a very, very light way, but for the most part, the entire show seems to be more of a Gaiden. It's more of a side story. It has nothing to do with the uh, main thrust of Tenshi Ryoko Aieka, the classic cast at all. It might have been better to call it Tenshi Muyo Side Story St. Knight's Tale or something if you wanted to rebrand it. I, again, I see the point of calling it Tenshi Muyo so that Funimation can essentially pimp all of the Tenshi fo- properties they just acquired. But eh, it's, it's not your typical Tenshi show. 
Uh, yeah, let's see here. Starting off, I um, I at first was very, very against having Tenchi Muyo on the front there because I said it, it has nothing to do with Tenchi, really. Again, what uh, what Chuck and Evil said for the marketing purposes and for the fact that it does tie in to Tenchi Muyo in a very, very disconnected way, but it, but it is there and it, it's a part of uh, Kajishima's diverse. So, you know, I, I'm more open to it having Tenchi Muyo on there because we as fans on the forum, we know it's it's part of the family. You know, we throw it in there with Duel and with uh, Photon and we're like, you know, come on in, come on the forum. We'll, we'll talk about it. We, we love it. And then I guess the title War on Geminar, again, I was, um, for nostalgic reasons, I still... I still, to this day, and probably will, a lot of times, especially if I'm writing shorthand, I just, you know, SKT, it just comes naturally to me. I'm very used to Saint Knight's Tale, and I think it's a great title, but War on Geminar, it, it also fits. I mean, it, it's a, I guess I might be the uh, the minority in this uh, question, but I, I think I think it's a, it's a pretty good title. It's it's hitting, um, and it, it gets across to people who are maybe completely unfamiliar with it, kind of the gist of, of what it's about, especially taking it, if somebody's an uninformed uh, viewer, and taking it on its own terms outside of the larger context of the, uh, of the Tenchiverse, I guess, as, as it's called. So, uh, so that, uh, I think, overall, it, it's, uh, it's a fitting title. The title, Tenchi Muyo, just kind of misled me at first whenever I went to watch it, because I was expecting a bit more of the original cast during my first run of it, and I wasn't, and you know, I wasn't provided that, except for the very slight cameos and the very slight references, like strings, to um, the original story. It didn't hinder the show personally for me, but with War on Geminar compared to Saint Knight's Tale, Saint Knight's Tale just has a better ring to it, and I guess it seems it seems better to me. War on Geminar doesn't really fit it as well. I guess that's was you know it goes with the name that Funimation wanted to go with as well as Tenchi Muyo as a marketing tool. Saint Knight's Tale personally is just something that I thought was a bit better. Uh, like a lot of what Chuck said, you know, I was first familiar with it when it was first released, uh, St. Knight's Tale. And, you know, th- this was back, what, three, four years ago almost when it was first released. And uh, I didn't watch it back then. I just recently picked it up. And, you know, War on Geminar, it's a good title. But, you know, like everybody here has said, it's not the best title they could have gone with. But, you know, and I'm going to repeat what Who said, you know, as far as a Tenchi fan, I was just aware that there was another addition to the Tenchi universe. So it's like, you know, by this time, I didn't, you know, I knew enough about the series where it being called Tenchi Muyo War on Geminar didn't bother me as much as it did. But I'm going to agree with everybody. St. Knight's Tale just sounds a lot better. But War on Geminar, it doesn't really bother me. It's just it's just a new addition to the to the Tenchi family tree. So I'm just, I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to have a little bit different perspective on it, being that... War on Geminar, I, again, I hit on the idea that why Funimation added the Tenchi Muyo title to it, because it's part of, like everybody else said, the Kajishima Tenchiverse. But looking at it from another perspective, like when Duel came out under Pioneer and eventually Geneon when they got bought out in the U.S., it had a sticker on all the Duel DVDs as from the creators of Tenchi Muyo. And... Even to this day, it's very difficult to get the majority of fans out there. I mean, an extremely small percentage. And most of it's ones that, 
you know I've had contact with understand that Duel is part of the overall Kenshi verse, and it has a lot of ties in there. So coming from that perspective, and even if you look at like Photon as well, that heavily ties into Geminar, that has no, it's not been re-released really too much, and it has no real labeling to suggest that it's part of Tenchi Muyo either. But looking back from a historical perspective, there's nothing that you could have done there. I mean, Dual Parallel Trouble Adventure doesn't have anything on it to suggest that it's part of Tenchi Muyo. No one connected the dots, really, other than the obvious things. Oh, Lighthawk Wings, oh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, yeah, you can definitely see from a marketing perspective why they added the Tenchi Muyo part of it, and they've been rebranding the whole thing. You know, Tenchi in Tokyo, Tenchi in this, Tenchi in that. So that makes sense. I mean, they, they really have to do that in this day and age. Now, the War on Geminar part, uh, like everybody else has said, I don't think that's accurate. I mean, only the latter half of the, or maybe even the latter third of Sakishi is even, has to do with a battle or a war or anything. I mean, it's, you know, like long time, long in the tooth and coming that they finally get around to having a three episode battle or so. So, I, I usually refer to it as uh, Saint Knight Story or SKS for short. You know, I was around when it was being subbed and when it came out in pieces and all that too so you know my feelings are kind of split on it but I think they could have come up with a more generic title but they're using the war on Geminars like oh you know conflict ooh, you know maybe we'll want to buy this or something it's like you know looking at a title of a Gundam show or something it's it is what it is at least Funimation's doing well with it supposedly from what Anime News Network has said so that's a good thing but uh, um, I would like to note, too, that the title War on Geminar, I think uh, we originally came up with there on Tenchi Forum long before it got titled. So, <laughs> Well, I can say right now, back in July or August of 2009, I made a post saying that whoever picked it up would probably bank on the fact that it was with Tenchi and would call it Tenchi Muyo St. Knight's Tale. And while I was half right, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm thrilled with it. What many may or may not know was I was an integral part of getting this show out onto the internet. I found this show when it was done to no great hurrah by Sora subs way back, right when the first episodes had released, or first episode was released in June of 09. And while the AFC had liked using the term St. Knight's Story, as JG had said, I always never liked the story part of it. I thought it never really flowed very well, so I switched it with Tail because it just has a better ring to it, and from there it went off. To make a long story short, St. Knight's Tale is near and dear to me because myself and another Tenchi Forum member, Akoa, made THE first Wikipedia page for Seikishi as St. Knight's Tale. I was the first person to upload it to YouTube as St. Knight's Tale. I knew the translator who worked with Hakubi subs, and then before they were even called Hakubi, and we pushed this show, and pushed it, and pushed it into every nook and cranny we could find of Tenchi fandom, to the point where Neo Magazine, the leading anime and Asian culture magazine in the UK, did an article about it, and used none other than St. Knight's Tale as the name for the show, which was the vindication of the work that we had done. So while many mainstream anime fans will probably never know differently, this show, for a large number of people, will always be called St. Knight's Tale first. 
And JG is right, and I'm pretty sure he called it like a month or two before release, exactly being called Tenchi Muyo or a Geminar. But all that aside, I don't think it's a bad name. It certainly is better than the literal translation of the name, which is like Holy Saint Knight in a Mechanical Other World. I'd rather the name stand on its own, like St. Knight's Tale did, than muddle the Tenchi brand more than it already has with the OVA continuity, despite how well it's done financially. The inevitable dub versus sub comparison. Do you feel the dub did the show justice? Did it make it better? Or do you think the performance as is in the Japanese version is a better standout and your general thoughts? Well, I just I just recently went through the show this past week for the first time since like you said it was first released in june of 09 and so i haven't had a chance to see the du- the uh, subs yet but i did thoroughly enjoy the dub i thought it was really well done you know we've all said it's not a direct tenchi series it's more of a side story it 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 generally felt like i was watching you know like i was going through universe for the first time that's that's what it felt like that's that's how good of a dub it was for me Unfortunately, I can't be as enthusiastic as Ryoka fan is, but I will agree. I think it was a decent dub. I think it's probably a little bit higher than higher quality than your standard Funimation fare uh, in recent days. Um, I particularly thought that the character Wahanli was perfectly casted. I, I don't know who the English actress who did her offhand, but hats off to you, madam, because you nailed that character extremely well. Um, other than that, like I said, I originally watched it in Japanese fan sub form. So I was first acquainted with these characters in their original Japanese voices. And so when I went through this last two weeks and watched the dub, I was half pleased and maybe a bit half disappointed with the way Funimation dubbed it. But I would say for the most part, I think they got the main cast, they did. They got them down pretty solidly well. I thought Kenshi, they got a great, a great actor to play Kenshi. He, he wasn't a Tenchi clone like some of us had feared, and he wasn't a Sena clone like many of us had dreaded the possibility of that. He was his own character, and he really filled the shoes of the uh, of the Japanese voice actor on that one as well. Um, other commendations I would have to say would be uh, J. Michael Tatum. He probably is the perfect English voice actor in the market today to play Ulita, at least in my opinion. I thought he nailed that character very well. What detracted from it for me was sort of the the background characters i thought their voices were a bit lackluster and maybe a bit unoriginal it just sounded like i could be watching any any modern anime show it didn't really have a tenchy feel to it at least in my mind but like i said we're all spoiled from the good old pioneer days but um other than that the only thing i could i would be able to say is that i was pleasantly surprised by the fact that they didn't give Babaloon the main villain of the show. They didn't give him a stereotypical deep, dark villain voice. Um, they actually gave him a bit more of a nasally voice, but not so much so that he was effeminate. But I, I just thought that was refreshingly original, that they didn't give him the, the evil villain voice of every anime nowadays. Other than that, I would say this is a decent dub. It certainly doesn't detract from the Japanese version, but in terms of quality-wise, I would say the Japanese is probably the better when it comes to quality, but I'll be watching it in dub format from here on because I'm just a dub guy, and this is a decent dub, so go out and get it. I personally, for me, the Japanese was a bit better, was a bit of a better quality of 
voice acting, but the English was very decent. It um the way that they gave Kenshi his own voice and like he said, I, I was whenever I first watched it, I was like, Oh no, don't let there be another Sena and you hear his voice and it made it made him his own character. A lot of the voices didn't follow like the stereotypical style, like the dub to me had a few hit and misses with some of the minor characters, some of the um some of the emotional inflection. But overall it was actually a really good dub and better than a lot of the newer animes that have been coming into the market. Like Chuck, I'm a I'm a dub fan too, and I don't like spending forty five minutes at a time reading subtitles. So that's why I watched it all in English and only up to episode six in the sub. Yeah, overall, uh, dub was dub had good quality, but the Japanese so far has been a lot better. I want to start out by saying thank you, Ryoko fan, my friend, for being brave and saying that was your first run through. Because honestly, this when I picked up the the uh, Funimation release here, this was my first actual run through as well. And like Dagon said, thanks to him and others and uh, Tenchi Form back in the day when I first uh, joined up with you guys. You know, if it wasn't for you guys, I never would have even heard of it. So at least when I got around to watching it, watching the dub, I was well familiar with it um, at that point. So I wasn't totally new going in and I wasn't under the false understanding that uh, that like Tenchi is going to be in it because it was called Tenchi Muyo War on Geminar. So hopefully that doesn't uh, doesn't mislead too many people would want another OVA3 uh, incident in that regard, but I digress. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that that the uh, that the dub was better uh, than the Japanese. I don't. I, I I don't think. I. I mean, that's a that's a valid opinion, but I'm not gonna assert that. But I will say, I think even considering this this was, I thought they did a great job, and I I thought almost all of the characters, particularly the main characters, I thought they were cast well. I thought Jason Liebrich was a was a fantastic. Kenshi, um, and like everyone said, he was he was very much he was very much his own character. And Jason Liebrich, you know, brought that to him. It wasn't just a Chigar Sane, a clone, like everyone like everyone said. You know, if I had to be like super nitpicky, like um, I think it was Chuck who said some of the minor characters, um, and one that really stuck to me, which fortunately those of us who have been watching dubs for a while and now Funimation is almost the only player in the game now. Uh, whenever we watch a, a dub, no matter how good it is, it's kind of like, oh, guess that voice actor, because, you know, we're, we're going to have heard many other things previously. And just one that really stuck out to me was um, Chiaya's father. I, I can't remember his name right at the moment, but they had uh, they had Chris Sabat cast as him. And I love Chris Sabat. I, I, he's, he's a tremendous voice actor, and uh, he's even uh, he's even a really cool guy. But I just I just don't think he fit. I did like what they did with Babaloon. You know, Kent Williams. He's he's a fantastic voice actor, uh, a great go-to guy for villains. But I'm honestly really glad that they didn't go with say Kent Williams for him. Went with uh, I believe it was Robert Bruce Elliott, and he did he did. I thought he did a great job. I thought it you know it wasn't just the uh, the usual dime a dozen villain voice that we get. So yeah, I, I thought um, I thought the dub was tremendous. I lo- I enjoyed Aura's voice actress. I enjoyed um, Yukine's voice act, and again Wahanli's voice actress. That I thought it was um, it was very well done. Well, unlike apparently everybody here, I didn't have time this week to be able to go through and actually 
go through the dub. I've seen the dub only through really Funimation's uh, promos, which my first impression was kind of meh. But then again, I'm more somebody who locks on to the first time I've, I hear it. You know, that's the way it's set in my mind as the character sounds. So I'm more towards the sub anyway. I don't know. I, to what I can speak to is I think the, uh, you know, the original Japanese actors, as is usually the case, did an excellent job. And, you know, all the characters sounded like their roles were adequately, you know, prissy or evil or mocking or what have you. But, um, you know, it's, I may go through the dub, you know, hearing the ports on how well it is from everybody else here because I totally expected it to be something more along the lines of GXP, which Sana's voice makes me want to claw up a wall. Uh, I don't mean like Ryoko. So, you know, Funimation, you know, if you're listening, word of mouth spreads and sells DVDs. I unfortunately can't speak much to the dub since I actually haven't listened to it. However, I will elaborate a little bit on a couple things that the others have said, uh, Chuck in particular, regarding the side characters. This show has a tremendous amount of side characters, and they're introduced rather early on and perpetuate through the entire series. So it becomes a logistic problem trying to make each of those characters sound individual, and yet, at the same time, they have that kind of group mentality of they're all the girls at the school. And when I was watching the sub, just watching the Japanese sub with subtitles, it was hard for me to distinguish some of the female characters apart because they are, they all do kind of just blur together because a lot of them are one-time characters that you see once every episode, but you don't really remember their names, or some of them don't even get named, especially like, I think there's a quartet of, of Sakeshi pilots that crop up every other episode, and they're always chasing Kenshi around, but you never actually think, I don't think you actually hear it, see them named anywhere. If I can butt in, they actually do have names, and you're going to love this, their names are the color of their hair, so their names are literally blue, red, green, and So they're clearly blonde. meant to stand out. That <laughs> makes me sad. To be honest, my part of this question, I, I think the dub, in some cases, could only get better for a lot of characters. I think that, like Chuck mentioned with Babaloon, uh, when the Japanese seiyu go to school and become seiyu, nine times out of ten, they get like a typecast role that they play forever, and that role can be Sundere character, like Taiga. And, or Shauna, and those are played almost exclusively by Rie Kugabia, or, you know, the really deep masculine bad guy. So the fact that Funimation was willing to, you know, not put Chris Sabat as Babaloon, which was my initial guess, was a nice change of pace. And I actually called Wahanli and uh, Yulaita, which was pretty cool. I've only heard clips that they posted online, so I can't say for the more emotionally clenched scenes of the hardcore action, but everybody seems pretty par of the course, but, or like the sub, nobody really stands out, which is kind of what Pi mentioned, everybody kind of blurs together. I think Lashara's pick was probably a tough call, because you can't really typecast her because of how dynamic her character is. You you might want to think, oh, well, she'll be a princess, she'll be prissy, like maybe Aika. But then you have other scenes where she might be acting more like Washu. And so, you know, you, you really have to actually watch the character and pick someone who's not going to play to that archetype. I'm a dub guy. I'm always going to go with a dub first. I'll watch subs. I have no problem with them. 
I think the dub might have been a slightly better performance, but I also think the subs distract you from the many faults the show has because you're reading, but more on that to come. What are your thoughts on how War on Geminar ties back into the Tenshi OVA continuity? Oh, you're going to get me out of the way first, huh? Um, good heavens. Well, first off, Saki Kajishima, the creator of all things originally Tenshi, short of the universe and Tokyo and some other things like the manga, originally stated when War on Geminar was being made in Japan that it was his original design or intention for Duel. That's what he had originally envisioned it to be. So, you know, of course, a lot of Duel fans had hopes for it, you know, hearing about what the the plot was and things like that, and the art that came out along the way, on which there are many parallels. But it, for, despite what we said earlier in the beginning of the cast about the title and how it doesn't tie back to Tenchi, it does have a lot of ties on the side, so to speak. I mean, you get to see Kenshi, you know, which, spoiler alert, being the son of Rea and Nobuyuki, which you see out of OVA 3 and the uh, special extra episode there with the wedding. You understand that further, uh, that she had to have come from this world and crossed over. You get some of the stuff about the teleportation and the church being tied to Tokimi. You get history on it because of the previous Sakishi back uh, however many hundreds or thousands of years ago on Geminar. It ties in hugely with Photon. You really should watch Photon first before seeing Geminar because there's just so much that it ties into there as a basis. Not just the names, but the locations and the technology and all of that craziness. It does have flavors of Duel in it. Uh, you know, the mecha, especially the blue one that uh, Dagmire pilots is very much like Zen or Gene Boo. There's, you know, the whole school story thing is similar. The whole, you know, let's fight a war and do our own thing type bit. You know, I need to get back home. But it's never really overstated really much with Kenshi that after the first few episodes he just kind of doesn't have much interest in getting back home. He's just there doing his thing. So I don't know. I'll let other people fill it in. It's uh, It ranks above GXP in my book, but it ranks you know, a good few steps below Duel. Even though we do see Mitsuki, Sonata, and Lashara talking in the Dojinshis, there's just ridiculous amounts of crossover. I'm going to go ahead and preface this by saying I'm going to spoil a lot of things. So if you don't want to pay attention to this, you might want to skip me. So there's a lot of stuff that is definitely over continuity for for sure. Uh, you've got artificial humans with doll and also with Ken, Kenshi being half artificial human. You also have, uh, I believe it's implied if not actually stated, that Rhea is an artificial human as well. The Rhea that you see... And, of course, it seems to be alluded to that the Rhea that you see in OVA 3 is an artificial human as well. You have core crystals, which I actually re remembered when, in my recent rewatching, which are straight from Midsummer's Eve, oddly enough, cause I, or from Ryooki's uh, core crystal that she has in her forehead. Uh, you've got the Lighthawk wings appear for a single episode and then are gone. You've got all of the all of the harem aspects of the show. A lot of things are seem to be pulled from the OVA continuity, but one thing that I found that was really rather tenuous is a lot of it is implied. 
Kenshi, in particular, always refers to his sisters. He never actually refers to any of them by name. He also mentions a mad scientist, and you see in in shadows, you see Washu's Washu's outline and Washu's profile. Uh, you also see him talking about his sister's spaceship, and you see blatantly the CG Ryuoki from GXP and Ova Three show up. And even then, it's a very close in close in view where you can't see the entire ship. It's teasing all over the place that it should be that this is a continuation of Ova Three. Kenshi mentions that his mother's name is Rhea, but he doesn't mention anyone else's name. It's so vague, and it make, it bothers me, especially considering it's titled now uh, Tenshi Muyo, because if you're going to call it Tenshi Muyo, why don't you just call it Tenshi, for goodness sake? Or why don't you just have the, actually state the, who these people are? That's actually one thing that I will give GXP credit. They admitted to what they were, they were doing. Geminar seems to be very, very tangential to the main continuity, while trying to also still be main continuity in a way, shape, or form. You also have the Tenshi Ken. The Tenshi Sword actually show, actually does appear. Uh, they manufacture it in this ver- in this version, but it, he it's not the same uh, the key that you see in the main continuity. It's a variation of it. In many cases, there's a lot of stuff that's implied that's connected, but if you watch it just on its own. It just seems like Kenshi's talking out of out of uh, thin air that he's just making up things or referencing things that you don't really have any proof for unless you've seen the other series, which in a sense makes it self-contained. You could watch, you could arguably watch Saint Knight's Tale without watching any of the other series and still get a decent show out of it, but you'd miss out on pretty much every reference that's being dropped, and even then, you could arguably say that they're coincidental, which would be kind of defeating the purpose that I think Kajishima is going for. So, connection to it, I'd say, is tenuous, heavily implied, but should be made more concrete in, in a sequel series. You know, I, he did bring up one thing, is that when Kenshi, you know, references one of Tenchi's girls, he calls them his sisters, you know. and I did, It sounds, might sound a little odd, but that always just cracked me up. I thought it was so funny. Uh, so I, I thought it was a nice little thing that they threw in there. And I was actually meaning to bring up the fact, you know, I could have, I actually thought I was mishearing things at first, but they, they did in fact call it the, the Tenchi sword. Just the fact that he referenced, you know, the regular Tenchi cast as his sisters. It was, it was just, it was just funny to me. Pi just pretty much hit every idea that I had on the head. The whole thing about him referring to all the girls, the original continuity as his sister's was a huge tease, especially all the small cameos. Like you said, Washu's silhouette. And how he makes his references, it just... If you're a new watcher to the show, you, you'd be missing out, definitely. And it's almost as if it's not meant for newer watchers to an extent, because so much of it is referenced from the original show. And all his abilities that he has, like, even whenever he cooks, he says he learned how to cook, and... Maybe a bit of spoiler, but whenever he gets cornered by the uh, students who were going to fight him whenever they were using the wooden swords and everything, he was so good at it. And then Messiah asked him where he learned to fight, and he said he learned from his grandpa who lived out in the country. And all those references just tie back into the original, and without the original, you wouldn't really be able to get his whole standing and realize what kind of life he came from before he was taken. Overall, it ties in to me less with the OVA 
but more into the Photon spinoff because it takes place on that world, has the same name line going for the Strayu Empire and everything, because Photon Earth and um, Lashara Earth. The whole thing about him coming from Rhea and Nobuyuki finding out that she's an artificial human, it, sure, it brings up some things from the OVA and... Again, and to me, the plot was very reminiscent of OVA 2, where there was something at the beginning, then it went to Slice of Lifestyle, then came back. In the last few episodes, which Kajishima, as everybody knows, is infamous for doing that. But other than that, it it's like it's trying to be a standalone, but saying that it needs dependence on its um on its father series. A lot of great observations here, obviously, and uh, it all chimes uh, with how I feel about it as well. And this is probably me being a jerk and being elitist a bit because because it is admittedly very esoteric. But I kind of like that because, like, I believe it was um, Evil Pie who said, like, it 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 can be enjoyable and coherent to anyone who who jumps in and has never seen any other Tenchi continuity. It it can it can work, but there's all these little facts teases as as um, everyone else has alluded to. And I like that it's not explicitly said. You know, I love when when Kenshi says, "That mad scientist." I know exactly who he's talking about, and I know there's a bunch of other people that know exactly who he's talking about. But I have to admit, it's also satisfying in a devious way that there's a lot of people that don't know. They're like, "Well, wait, who who is that?" And it's about his sisters, and people might go, "Well." His sisters, who, who, who is he talking about? I know exactly who he's talking about, and I know you guys know exactly who he's talking about, and that's just fun to me, which brings into, um, we're talking about other tie-ins to the series. There's a lot of uh, very in-depth stuff everyone has touched on brilliantly, but there's a lot of little things that I noticed that I enjoyed, which again, I guess kind of esoteric, but I like Mazaya as a character. I liked her being... I saw her kind of as the washu of that world. You know, she's kind of the, the older one, and she's very forthwith with her um, sexuality and her uh, desires to be with Kenshi. I love how he's, she she makes him call him uh, Big Sister Messiah. It's totally, I couldn't help but think, call me little washu. I couldn't help but think that. And um, so you kind of have, I guess that makes kind of a Chiaya Ryoko comparison and I think that fits she, she's definitely her own character not at all a Ryoko clone not at all what I'm saying but especially that part where Chiaya is having oh spoiler 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 where Chiaya is eating, joining with with Dagmire and she has this dagger and she's has this opportunity to kill Kenji in his sleep uh, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to uh, to make a case that that was not a, a direct parallel to when Zero Ryoko was in the exact same position with, with an unsuspecting Tenchi, and she couldn't go through with it. Um, so a lot of little things like that. And, and I just found the way Kenshi was so... He was so skilled and adept at certain things, like doing household chores and obviously his uh, his combat skills, which have been alluded to Yosho. I, I, I think it was just fun the way we don't get to see it. And we as fans who are familiar with, with Tenchi, we connect the dots and we imagine for ourselves, wow, what would it have been like for Kenshi growing up as a child in a family where Tenchi is your older brother 
and then his gang of girls uh, act like your big sisters. You know, I can imagine the playful being he got from Ryoko. I can imagine Aik and Sasami, you know, trying to doll him up, something like that. You know, what older sisters do to, to torment their little brothers. Um, it, you know, it harkens back to the episode in OVA 2 where the Tenchi cast take care of, uh, take care of Tenchi's young uh, cousin. I, you can picture that with Kenshi, and I think that's fun, and I think it's... I, I, I think that it is. It's a big tease, and you don't get to see everything, but, but that just shows that you're invested in it, and you you know you always leave them wanting more. So I th- I think that was uh, it tied in well. Oh, where to begin? Uh, first off, I think it's probably a good idea if we just for our listeners who may not be in the know establish uh, the continuity. This is in fact in the OVA continuity, as I'm sure you've all um, realized by now. But it takes it's supposed to take place 15 years after the end of Tenshi Muyo GXP, which itself takes place one year after the end of Tenshi Muyo OVA 3. Now that that's out of the way, I hope that maybe clears up some of the things that some of our listeners may have had, but unfortunately I can't really agree with who in that I enjoyed the non-committal connections with the, the, the established Tenshi series. I agree that they were fun in the first maybe two or three episodes where you would hear, oh, well, Kenshi says, I learned how to cook from my big sister who likes cooking, and I learned how to clean up from my big sister who doesn't like to clean up, so I always had to clean up after a mess. And of course you knew that that was Ryoko and Sasami and all that, but it just kept going on and on and on, and six or seven or eight episodes in, and you're like, okay, is this leading somewhere? Are we going to actually see these characters that you've been alluding to now for untold amounts of hours in Showtime? And it never happens. Like I said, like Pi and JG said, you get the two-frame cameos of starring Washu's hair and Ryooki's spike, and that's it. That's all we see of the main cast. And frankly, I just thought it was it was really a bit of a, a jerk move that they would have so many blatant references... But it and it felt like it was leading somewhere, and then you get to the end, and you're like, "Wait, I never got my cameo." And so to me, that just it just felt a bit unfair to the fans who knew what was going on. In fact, I would say it probably you would be more benefited to watch this from a fresh set of having not seen any other Tenchi than you would have to be a longtime Tenchi fan and catch all these references and be disappointed in no cameo. Uh, other than that. JG, very, in the very beginning, talked about how, how Kajashima said that was originally what he wanted Duel to be, and I can sort of, I agree, I can sort of see the parallels, but I'm very glad that Duel did not turn out like this, because I think Duel is a very different show than uh, Geminar, and it benefits from that difference, and Geminar benefits from that difference. Uh, it's its own show, and I think that's a good thing. But there's certainly ties there, and unfortunately, I haven't seen Photon, so I can't I can't comment on that. But so that's just my piece. There should have been a cameo, and you'd be benefited if you hadn't seen Tenshi Muyo beforehand. But that's just my view. I will say and echo what many have said. Uh, this is in the OVA continuity, despite what the uh, new Tenshi re-releases from Funimation say, where they have it disconnected for some odd reason. So it kind of follows the same rules as the OVA. Three goddesses, ultra powers, Jirai, etc. And I will also echo the sentiment that I really wish that they wouldn't have done the tie-ins the way they did. I would agree on who if they would have done the tie-ins in like one episode. 
If in one episode they had made that reference, like, oh, or even if they would made all of those references in one episode, that would have been better than stretching it out, because it would have been like, oh, okay, he's, this is the Slice of Life episode, and because it's the Slice of Life episode, we get to hear about, oh, his, his uh, sister who can cook, Sasami, his sister who's lazy and drinks all the time, Ryoko, and so on and so forth. But the fact that it's stretched out over the first half of the series it kind of leads you to be like, okay, this obviously, and with the two actual pictures of Ryooki and Washu, even if so brief, kind of leads you on like, oh, well, maybe there's going to be an episode like in GXP where we see the whole cast. You know, maybe maybe at the end he's going to go home and we're going to see the cast there waiting for him. And I think that's another thing that kind of irks me is the fact that Kajishima has kind of made a a conscientious effort to make it seem like he doesn't want a lot to do with the original cast members with a lot of the things that have come out of Japan and whatnot and yet in every single series he does he can't get away from it he always makes direct references direct cameos to Tenchi Muyo and it's extremely frustrating because with something like GXP its name is it was named from the very beginning Tenchi Muyo GXP so there's no, there's really no discrepancy between St. Knight's Tale and it being on its own. While Tenchi Muyo GXP is in the same world, same, uh, kind of same, kind of like the same characters. And you, like you see Mihoshi in GXP, and you see, uh, you see like Ryoko in one episode floating away as she's drinking the Saina, because uh, they're on Earth. You know, it's very, it's very much an extension of Tenchi Muyo, despite my overall thoughts about it. But War on Geminar sets itself up to be different. It sets itself up to be, I'm the one that's different. And Kajishima, and this is something that has been the ire of a few Tenchi Muyo fans, is the fact that we got OVA 3 the way they did because he didn't really care about it. And he was stated in an interview as saying that. But with War on Geminar, he went back and rewrote everything that he wrote for War on Geminar so that it would fit for anime. And yet, we still get four episodes of the characters that many people would love to see and cameos and so on and so it's really it's it really gets you right in the heart because you just you really want to see that and you feel like that's a negative despite you know what you might think about the show overall and you know maybe I went into it with the wrong mindset there but now that the Tenchi name is on it it's being called Tenchi Muyo War on Geminar it's even more prominent, especially for the people who don't know what is St. Knight's Tale, who don't know what is anything like that. They're, they're probably going to expect it going into it. So, in that instance, and how it ties back, I really wish they would have tried to dis- I really wish Kajishima would have tried to distance it from Tenchi Muyo more. What did you find to be the pros and cons of the show? What did you like? What did you not like? Compare, contrast, praise, critique, and would you like to see a sequel in the future? Oh god, gonna skip me up front first. What did it do right? I like the mecha action. When they were actually doing um, mecha on mecha combat action, I was fairly involved in the show. I was rather enjoyed. I enjoyed it a lot. The first two episodes, even though I'm going to say that I didn't like the first two episodes because there was a huge spoiler du- or not a spoiler dump, huge uh, exposition dump in the first two episodes. The first two episodes were enjoyable because there was a lot of action. It kept you kept you on your seat, saying, "What the heck is going on? What what is this?" 
And in the latter half of the show, from episode 8 to 12, the show was very very intense. You're having combat every episode. You have a little bit of a side with what the characters are doing outside of combat. But you actually are having a nice little... Uh, on the on the rails mecha show going along. It reminded me a lot of Duel. In fact, actually, rewatching the show, I really want to watch Duel again, and I'm going to leave, let JG continue with that thought. However, the show does suffer from being very schizophrenic. It seems to not really know where what kind of show it wants to be. So, for example, the first two episodes, mecha action. The next five, if I recall, are slice-of-life episodes that kind of give you backstory, start showing more and more the world, do a lot of world-building. And then when you get to episode eight, it switches back to being mecha action for about five episodes. And then it switches on the last episode to... Well, we'll get to the last episode... But yes, it seems to switch back and forth between what kind of show it wants to be. Does it want to be a harem sitcom, or does it want to be a Gun- or Gundam or Evangelion-style mecha action show? Another thing that was, I'd say would be something I would change if I was behind the helm of this thing would be the exposition. The first two episodes are heavy, heavy-handed exposition. Here's about, here's about 60% or 70% of the main cast in the first two episodes... Um, all of them are important. You have to remember all of them. And this little thing that you remembered over here, it's going to be important by episode 13, so don't forget it. And occasionally they might reference it every two, three episodes in a 13-episode series. So there's big ex- exposition dump at the beginning, then very slow exposition through the slice-of-life stuff where you're having all the comedy with Kenshi uh, running around the school. And then when they switch back to mecha action again, they start kind of doing the deceits, deceit materials, a lot of espionage with Nezai and what have you. And it starts getting, it starts getting more interesting again. It starts, starts doing, doing slow exposition and bring, bringing things to the forefront that had been touched on early on. And then there's the ending. Um, the ending. Oh, how the ending went. Besides the fact that Lighthawk Wings come out of nowhere with almost no exposition unless you know other Tenchi Muyo material. They just are deus ex. They literally, Babylon's sitting there saying, you can't cut me, you can't cut me, you can't... What? What the heck is that? Slice. Uh, the Lighthawk Wings essentially come as a, as a literal deus ex machina to save, to end the show. All the rest of the, of the pirates and bandits are defeated. Babylon's the only one left. Kenshi's there du- duking it out and can't cut him. Lighthawk Wing comes out, slices him in half, game over, uh, good guys win. And then Bobolin doesn't die! For the longest, ca- for the longest time, there's, Bobolin oozes out of the, out of the, out of the destroyed Gaia and starts saying, you! And they, you like to shows up, and then about 20 other things crop up about about who Rhea is, who Nezai is, what can, how they relate to Kenshi, what uh, about Cor- they go back to core crystals again, and then there's the ending with get with Dagmire and and the two girls, uh, Lon and I forget the other girl's name. I apologize, I forget her. That leaves itself open to a sequel, to which I'm like, where are they going on this? It could be interesting to see what they do with a sequel. But seriously, I think they need to pace things a little bit better, maybe fulfill some of the teases that they've had for this series, and I'm very much predicting if there's a sequel series, Dagmire will be the villain. I am very, and that would be actually something that would come to fruition throughout all the pain and suffering he went through in this series. 
he could actually become something more. My main, another main critique of mine for this series would be the male Sakishi. The entire time, the male Sakishi are going like, "We're going to plan a rebellion. We're going to plan a rebellion. Uh, we're we don't like the way things are with these women running things." And I'm like, "Guys, you're sitting on your butts doing nothing while the women do all the work. Uh, you really, how are you dejected except for the fact that you're chattel?" Um, I get the idea what Kazushima might be trying to allude to, which is the women's rights movement in the 1960s, that they weren't treated as citizens, they weren't, they didn't have this, these, uh, the same rights as men, and that's kind of what you see with this male Sakishi. They don't really have any power. But, on the same token, they aren't fighting for it either. They're sitting on their butts saying, we're, gonna, we're going to rise up. Where's your protest? Where's your burning of your burning of your mantle and all of this? Why aren't you vocally trying to change things before you go to war? It seems like there would be uh, some other political methods of doing this. Maybe those have been done off screen, but there seems to be no visible idea that these guys have got anything except lust for power. And I had no or almost no uh, sympathy for what they went through. Hopefully, Dagmire in the second series would be, or in a second series, would be a better candidate for such a thing. I'd have to say that uh, for the pros for me, it would, it seemed like you needed to watch the others to get a lot of the things, to get, to get a lot of the references. The pros are that it was a good standalone story. I mean, Kenshi is a good character, and, and even though the plot was a bit off, and it was a bit, like Pi described it, schizophrenic as a show because it was trying to determine what it was going to do it still turned out to be good and i would rewatch it definitely but it pulls the thing that kajishima's done a lot lately that does get annoying and that's where he saves a lot of the things till towards the end that's where my cons come in and i'm not even going gonna go into fan service yet because that's a whole different subject but the whole thing about bringing back up the core crystals and everything and the whole Lighthawk wings showing up at the very end. That's an it's an annoying way to get out of a situation, in my honest opinion. I mean, I've I've never seen well, I've rarely seen things that have been written in such a way to have Deuce Ex Machina at the end, except for older stuff like Edgar Allan Poe style. But one of the other things that I had a con about with that was a con to me was how Pi pointed out that the uh, Sakishis did nothing about it. Whenever they, it's like they wanted to stop it, but they were so passive about it that they just sat around. And if they felt so bad about it, they would have definitely done something or done more. On a sequel, I would either like to see a bridge to um, what happened with Kenshi. It may, it may not be a sequel, that may be a prequel. But if there's any sequel, I definitely agree with Dagmire becoming the villain. Like he said, all, all the stuff that he had went through it, it can all manifest itself, and he can make a great villain indefinitely. Another subject that I'll point on as a con was the whole fan service issue. Even though Kajishima, I mean, he, I mean, even the original show had its way of doing it, and it had it, uh, its um, casual nudity aspect. But in this show, there were a few things that pushed the boundaries a bit too much. I mean, you look at some of the promos, and it honestly looked like it was a um, hentai show. And even some of the episodes, like the one where Messiah takes Tenchi to learn how to do massages and hypnotizes and basically, yeah, puts him in a trance. You know, that episode, it, it kind of discomforted me at first because I was like, oh, wow. It got annoying after a while. I mean, it wasn't excessive fan service. I mean, it wasn't 
like what show was it? High School of the Dead fan service. Definitely not like that. But it still had more than I like. I mean, it didn't take away from the plot, even though the plot was like like um we've said jumbled. I'm I'm saying this right now. I'm not the biggest mech fan on the planet. I mean, I like a few. I like older Gundam. I'm a Code Geass fan, but this show was one of the few mech shows that I actually enjoyed. Pros with it as well. That goes with one of my pros is that the whole thing that they were doing with having the male mecha masters being rare while females were very like extremely common. It set up a whole different dynamic for for the whole mech style of fighting and the whole backstory behind it and with the church and everything. Overall, it just, it came to be a I guess you could say a 50-50 for me. Each each pro weighed the con evenly and all I'd like to see in a sequel is pace the story a bit better. Cameos first off, I would like to see that. I would like to see Dagmire come to fruition as a villain. Yeah, that's pretty much all I'd have in mind. Well, first first the pros. I mean, this show was highly enjoyable for me. I mean, it just had a lot of, you know, just a lot of stuff. Like, you know, we've all mentioned the mech stuff and the slice of life action. I mean, of course, you know, after the horrific nightmare that was OVA3, I'd pretty much welcome anything to Contention Universe with open arms. But this show was, it, it was actually, re- it was highly enjoyable for me. I mean, I loved the, the comedy, the action, and I actually felt like in a few of the episodes, yeah, like some of us here mentioned, it had a little bit of a, of an Evangelion flair to it, which was which was really nice. The artwork was nice, the music was excellent, and Shadows actually brought up something interesting that I didn't even think about when I was uh, recently going through was all the fan service that was in it. I mean. Yeah, I saw it, but it's like, you know, I didn't really think about anything. I mean, maybe it's just me, but it just seems like to me that a lot of the newer animes that are coming out, they're just, you know, that's basically all they're, they're, that they're going with is fan service. It's just like, you know, I've become jaded. It's like, oh, okay, there's another half-naked woman. Uh, like, we haven't seen a million of those before. But uh, as far as the cons, the the biggest thing for me was that it was just too short. And this is a... 13 episode series which each episode you know rounding out to about an hour 13 hour long episodes being too too short and for it being as good as it is that's that's got to say something i mean it's that's really my biggest problem is that it's just too short and as far as like a sequel or anything yeah i'd love to see a sequel to it i'd love to see you know i'd love to see like an additional 13 or 26 episodes however they decide to divide it up uh, like you know maybe they could have like seven like episode 17 from gxp where either kenshi and his crew can go back to earth or maybe you can have uh tenchi and his crew flying in Ryooki to trying trying to find it because you know they've been missing he's been missing on earth for you know however long he's been gone but uh yeah, that that was really my biggest problem is that a 13-episode series, each episode rounding about an hour, was too short. That, 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 just, that was the biggest thing for me because I enjoyed it so much, I just want more of it. Well, you know, I, I'm going to chime in with Fan here. I thought it was really fun, and I was legitimately surprised by the end how much I enjoyed it. I guess I'll just start with the cons. They're much fewer than the pros with me, and uh, this is purely a matter of taste, but they're just, there just was too much 
it, it was just gratuitous fan service um, starting out. It was just a little too much for me. And not only that, but the part one and part two uh, kind of touches into what I think uh, Evil Pie was saying is just you know, kind of it, it kind of switches on itself sometimes. It's like there's just a huge amount of fan service in part one which is like one through seven. And then part two, there's like none to be had. And I, I just, um, so I, I just kind of, I don't like that, um, that it seems like, uh, like Ryoko fan said, there's just so much of that in newer anime nowadays. It seems like to me, and I just don't like that. That's, that's the way that we have to try to sell stuff, especially a Tenchi thing. And, and Tenchi has always been that contradiction in so many ways, in that it started the harem genre, and yet the original OVA is so... It, it's not just wish fulfillment, um, like I felt the beginning of uh, War on Geminar was a lot. You know, the whole... And the whole setup of uh, whole male mecha, uh, sacred mecha masters are very rare, and so obviously it's going to be very desirable to all these these women. Um, and in a world kind of like, like in Girls Bravo, there's a planet where there's there's just an abundance of women and few men. It's like, oh, that sounds like a, a male harem fantasy land where every man have his own harem. I just, I just don't like to see something with Tenshi, you know, be reduced to that. I guess in a sense, and Kakushima has always impressed me with how he can make something like the Tenshi Muyo OVAs, and then, in my opinion, just smut um, with some of his, uh, you know, illustrated. Uh, you know, uh, explicit doujinji materials, uh, but that's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah, I I, uh, I greatly enjoyed the way it, uh, this kind of ties into Kajishima's multiverse, but I like the way with the, uh, obviously with the goddesses kind of offhandedly pulling the strings a little bit, you know, that there's so much that's unknowable to the inhabitants of, of this world, Geminar, and that kind of ties into, you know, that that's something that anyone can reflect on and take away in our own universes. Like, you know, as advanced as we get, there's so much of in the background that we just don't know. And I guess also tying into the uh, Deus Ex Machina moment, I can understand people's uh, beef with that. But at the same time, really, if you can try to remember back to your first time seeing uh, the first OVA without any uh, accompanying literary materials or anything like that, the way he defeated Kagato was pretty much his ex machina. Uh, he activates his his god powers, which we find out later, and and uses uh, light hawk wings, which we had never even uh, we had never seen wielded um, in that capacity beforehand. Um, but uh, but yeah, other than just a personal thing, like I said, like just a little bit too much ridiculous fan service stuff for me. It was, um, I, I enjoyed the characters. I, I, I love Kenshi as a character. Uh, so many of the, of the, uh, of the supporting characters I just loved. And, and, uh, I thought, I thought it was great. And a lot of people were kind of tying into, uh, probably, um, what we're probably going to touch on here soon. But like Ryoko fan said, I was, I was left wanting more. I was like, yeah, I could, I, I'm on board with this world and with Kenshi and these characters. And I think the way they ended it, not to spoil anything, but, it very much has the capacity to have something else, some additional material. Maybe even that'd be pretty bold. But um, you know, a crossover with Tenchi and his uh, and his girls. Who knows? But uh, but that that's uh, that's my two cents. I'm not going to be as nice on it as everybody, except maybe Pi. But 
Uh, pros. Um, well, the animation was done well. I mean, if we'd done this back in the era of hand-done cells, I think it probably would have taken you know, two to three times as long to have come out for as much uh, as they had to draw and the locations and locales and so forth. Um, I appreciated that they tried to do some tie-ins and depth on certain things, like having this church, you know, religious organization, which isn't really religious as much as it's a governing body, kind of like uh, Rome and Catholicism to some extent. And, you know, like having the academy be, you know, this, that, and the other. And there were some things that could be explored more if they were given ample opportunity to. The mech combat, I would say, is better than what Duel had in it, mainly because of Kenshi's fighting style being so Godzilla-esque or, you know, reptilian or something like that. It's very rip, destroy, obliterate, move on to the next one. Whereas, I mean, it's almost more of like a Gundam fighting style where you're seeing one Gundam take out 400,000 Zaku's you know, one after the after the other, they just fall by the wayside. No one can ever do anything. And, you know, things like that. For the cons, the, the fan service was a huge turnoff for me. You know, how is trying to shoehorn in in the modern age where harem anime have uh, gone by the wayside quite a bit. You know, they're kind of a byword where a lot of people are trying to get away from that aspect of being applied to anime. You know, that, oh, it's there's much more to it than just this hentai and you know, all the rest of this that uh, gives it a negative connotation. About the time that really just dropped me off the map besides Flora and was when he started doing the scrubbing of the backs and, oh, what's the magical symbol on their back? And, oh, well, you know, that's basically a magical contraceptive. And it means you can just, you know, plow anybody you want to. And, you know, it, it's just bull. You know, it's total, let's not have a meaningful relationship with anybody. Let's just go ahead and, you know, sire 500 people. Which kind of, it's a question I'd like to pose too, is out of all the Tenchi Muyos, you know, Ryoko fans necessarily aside... This seems to be the one series, too, that pushed a particular character. In this case, I think it was mainly implied Yukine, uh, even though everybody else was after him as a, you know, a breeding horse, that took that route. It, they didn't really... You have everybody else that wants him for whatever reason. That's vain, essentially. It's very thin. And then you have Yukine, which basically, you know, would go to the point of passing out for trying to throw herself at him. But that was a that was a huge turnoff was them trying to justify the fan service and the rest of it and Flora and then all these other oh, this is a party or party type thing event from another world where whoever came here before instituted let's rip each other's robes off and all this and you know, because you've seen me naked now, you have to marry me and take over the empire. All this other crap. So, not not too keen on that. The enemies, to me, were totally paper thin. Like others have said, the the male Sakishi's dispute. Uh, it feels like we need a whole other story or book or something to explain 
their reasoning or why or why we should care. It almost feels like a noble's spat. Like, I'm going to take off my glove and smack you with it, and we're going to walk ten paces, and then we're going to fence for a while, and then we're going to go back and sit on our log, and, you know, have a butler take care of us, and we're going to go ahead and go back at it and fence for a little while, and then we'll have a, you know, gentleman's agreement and walk away. That's about how involved they really were with the whole thing. And even when they did get up and start trying to take over the Empire, they sat around and had a party and, you know, patted each other on the back, had some booze, took some gold, you know, called it a day. And they were totally wiped out in the counterattack. And it didn't hardly take much. So, Babaloon, we see a handful of times, and he's supposed to be the big bad guy and the mastermind of all this stuff, and he never does anything. I mean, he gets he absorbs into Gaia and like you know takes over Doll, which is ultimately more interesting than he is. He just he's not much of a character. I mean, Hiroshi Rara from Duel had more to him, and he was nothing more than a figurehead for Ayuko to use. But it's, you know, we need some backstory there as why is he able to turn in the ooze? Why is he, you know, all these other parts that date back so many centuries to the original Sakishi War, you know, where does this all tie into? The the plot leaves a whole lot of backstory information that they should have focused on to give us some reason of why do we care. And that that really puts a nail in it as they they hold a lot of that to the end they shove it all into the episode where doll finds out her past essentially or everybody else does you know kenshi as a character too while he is better in some regards uh i did i was impressed you know in the first couple episodes that made me want to continue watching is he takes out 20 or 30 guards on his own within a few seconds, and it's like, hey, I'm not fighting him. So, it's impressive, but at the same time, he can do no wrong. He can jump and leap tall buildings in a single bound, and cook and clean and all the rest of this. That makes him the greatest thing ever. There's no faults, and Kajushima really needs to start getting back around to these are characters with some depth. I mean, the most depth we really see out of him, besides running from every other female on campus, is, you know, he likes crystals because they remind him of Ryooki, or home, or, you know, some of this other stuff for his uh, necklace that he got as a gift. But, you know, again, those are cameo-type things where it's meant to point back to that, to the other Tenchi series. So it's, it's real difficult to say... I mean, even when we have the final battle, like others have mentioned, the Deus Ex Machina with the Lighthawk Wing, which I totally took it as that too, the the counterattack is, we're going to come in with our forces, we have a better plan than you, uh, you're all haughty and think you've taken over, therefore you're best. The thing that really got me was the train sequence between the tower, which should have been a you know cool thing to look at and find out about, uh, why does it hover? Why is this big thing that reminded me of the, uh, what was it, the Eye of the Gods or whatever, the space station from El Hazard? Instead, you have this train that's got turrets popping out of it versus the tower, and they're apparently having the hour-long battle of I'm going to shoot you with my pea shooter and I'm going to shoot back and for whatever reason. 
and there we go. So it has a lot of holes in the series that they need to work on, but yeah, I'd be up okay with seeing a second one. I'm going to come out and say that I agree with... It's, it's going to be difficult, because I agree with both sides here. This show is deeply, deeply flawed. There are so many things wrong with this show that in a- any other world, this would be a show that I would have almost no interest in. But there is one saving grace for me that brought this show and gave me a whole a lot more enjoyment than I would have otherwise, and that is the characters. Um, I thought they were by far the strongest part of, of this show. They were all, most of them were well-developed, except for maybe Kenshi. He was, as JG says, he was a bit of a Gary Stew. He's, he can do no harm, and eventually you just stop caring about him because there's no why worry about him. He's just going to continue on as he always has. But his supporting characters, especially um, Empress Lashara, I thought she was a very, very well-established, very layered character. And you really came to care for these characters, and that's what propelled the story and really made up for the fact that the writing was less than stellar most of the time. This is a show that I think greatly demonstrates what I have lovingly called uh, Kajashima-itis, which is uh, writing that involves a huge info dump in the beginning, followed by interminable episodes of of, uh, Slice of Life, followed by an extremely rushed conclusion. And it's just, this is a prime example of it right here, uh, this show. And unfortunately, it comes off rather poorly in comparison to all, some of the other Tenchi shows, although I do think it is better than GXP and OVA3. But it's certainly not an OVA2, and it's certainly not an OVA1. But on the whole, I did get a lot of enjoyment out of this show, and I probably will watch it again in the future because the characters were so well done. The main thing that really just got me was, as I said, the writing was the writing was lackluster, and what, what was the real the great sin of this show was that it it presented lots of things in a very short amount of time, and it does this every episode. Every episode, you get something more that sort of like it leaves you scratching your head, like, oh, okay, I don't really get that. That's kind of stupid, but I'll hold off and see how the end works out. And then the end, rather than answering these questions or having them make sense, you're just dumped, absolutely dumped, with even more implausible or straight up confusing facts that just bury the plot of the show and make it completely unintelligible and not able to be understood at all. Even and even us here, we're very educated Tenshi fans. We've been at this for a long time, and we still can't tell you what the heck went on in this show. We can't tell you because it's so convoluted and so poorly written. But other than that, I think I think the show was good. I will have to disagree with you though, who not call you out in any particular way, but I think the day the Deus Ex Machina ending in this one is far more egregious than the uh, the supposed one at the end of OVA 1, because at least that one, you sort of had this, this implication that, oh, Tenshi is special because we don't know why, but we know that he's fighting for something he believes in, and he's fighting, and he's really at the end of his life, and his, he, his life is in danger. He's going to die in the, after this next stroke, but he has this hidden power, and he's fighting for a reason, whereas Kenshi here at the end... He's evenly matched. He's not. He's not. His life is not in terrible danger. He's just not able to scratch the uh, guy at the end. But he's in no danger of getting killed. And rather than fighting for something, 
that he terribly believes in as much as Tenchi did, it it came down to Kiaya saying, oh, you can have as many crystals as you want if you defeat this guy. And he goes, oh, sure, okay, Lighthawk Wing. And it, that, to me, is a much more egregious example of the Deus Ex Machina ending than the ending of OVA 1. But that's the end of my piece. And for all the hate that I dumped on, I think this is a very enjoyable show. And I give it not two thumbs up, but one thumb up. I can enter one thing, Dagon. One, the one good part I thought that really did shine, that did kind of remind me of Duel and showed that the series had uh, a shining moment was the shrine when they were working together and taking turns and trying to shrink the mountain into the Tenchikin. Um, that one, and when they again did essentially the same thing with the whatever charge generator thing the jig it was, they were charging up to throw it Babaloon there at the very end. It's if you took that and you did Tenchi OVA or Universe or whatever, it would have been the Tenchi girls all together working as one unit to go save Tenchi. That's a moment that everybody has wanted. They did it in Geminar by having all these people, whether they were really after him for realistic reasons or justifiable, or they even didn't even know why they were after him, or in Chaya's case, didn't really like him to begin with, they worked as a unit, it was teamwork, they had a little shining moment there where they defeated against all odds, and, you know, did something. That was a shining moment of the show, I think. I've put a lot of negative criticism into the show, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that I hated the show, because I didn't. It, but it is extremely flawed, and I can't, I can't justify completely going without telling what those things are. But I'll do the pros first. I would say that Seikishi Monogatari, Say Night's Tale, War on Geminar is a good show. In an anime climate where so many very pandering, very archetypal shows are coming out, War on Geminar stood out like a sore thumb. Uh, the style is a is a throwback to the '90s. You know, even though even though the women are cute or beautiful or for whatever uh, visual reason, they have spines, they have facial features, and they aren't afraid to kick butt when they need to. The female characters in Seikishi also go through a a lot of character a lot of character development among all of them combined. Kiaya and Lashara being the top two, and they had some really heartfelt moments in there. You know, I think of when. Kyo was going to attempt to kill Kenshi. You know that was that was a, that was a real moment that the show really needed. The set pieces and the backgrounds, with it being an OVA, there's a little there's a little bit more to those than there would be in the TV series because of you know budget and time. Um, but when we you know when we get to the the negatives, the cons, and the technical side of things, the pacing of the show is absolutely terrible. It is just complete. The first two episodes, even for as good as they were, dragged a lot. Because there's, like Pi said, there's like ten people that you're introduced to. And they're not, they're, not, they're not side characters. They're like, oh yeah, here's you know all of these people who are all extremely important. And you're kind of just like, okay. And you're kind of trying, you don't really get a chance to focus. You're either driving ten miles under the speed limit with Slice of Life Harem... Or you're being completely bombarded by this person's second cousin's political intrigue to the planet and the weapons of the kingdom in Babylon. 
and there's no there's no good parallel between the two. And as uh, Chuck mentioned, this is what we refer to in Tenchi fandom as Kajushima itis. It's just, and I think that the show really suffers when that happens because there's a lot of potential for a lot of things that don't necessarily get to see the light of day because of the way that the show is done. And a lot of, you know, as far as the slice of life goes, even then, I think a lot of time was wasted. I mean, did we really have to see Kenshi making beds for 15 minutes? Sure, he's supposed to uh, earn his stay at the thing, whatever. But did, but did we really? With all, with all that's going on, with Babylon being there, with, uh, at that point in the series, we saw the person whose name I forget, who was talking to Yulaita, and all of that, like, did we really, did we really have to see Kenshi making beds and doing this and whatnot? I mean, it, there's so much going on that we, the show has no focus. It's all over the place. But my final criticism, and, one that I was really the biggest that really turned me off to Kenshi was he's he's a male god fantasy. I mean, I love the underdog. I love, and I love a lot of people do, the everyman, the guy who goes to school, the guy who goes to work. You are that guy. You're not perfect. You don't have a perfect job. You might not have the best relationship. You can get behind that guy. Kenshi is none of these things. I mean... The two points in particular in the show that blew my mind were one, the massage episode, and two, when all of the when all of the girls are chasing him and want to be with him so much that they physically pass out and he has to take them to the infirmary. I mean, really? The guy can walk upside down on walls and can defy gravity, is naturally agile and athletic, playfully naive as to not have cynicism, is greater than any foe, and can now please every woman he sees without even thinking about it. I mean, why don't we just call him God number five? I mean, there's no point. That's not how you make. That's not how you feel for a character. There's no conflict. It's like Superman. The only conflict Kenshi has in the entire show that's real conflict is in when he's sick and he's coming from an alternate world. And I'm not talking forced bad guy conflict. I mean, the real conflict. Why couldn't that sickness have been stretched out through the whole series? That would have made his actions and battles mean more because he's mortal and he's got something to prove as well as something to overcome as well as actually going back to where he's, you know, the reason he's there, he wants to go back. I'm not saying he's immortal, though it begs the question with that ending, but there's never any point where you question whether or not he's going to get hurt. And I mentally check out at that point because I feel like I'm watching self-insert fanfiction. With something like Empty Geist, it's okay because it's so over-the-top stupid and kind of bad that you expect it. That's the whole point. And like I said, the reason that we felt for Tenchi, the reason that we got behind him, was because he was like us. He had all of this vast responsibility put on him, and these fantastic, godlike powers, you know, that he didn't understand. That was the reason that we got behind him, because we've all been in situations like that. There's, and, and to go back on what uh, Chuck said with at the end of episode 6, you know, that created great dramatic turmoil between him, between Ryoko, Aika, and really everybody. That's how you sell a character to somebody. With Kenshi, it's, whoops, I hope he doesn't trip and magically cure cancer on the way down. I mean, there's just, it's completely unrealistic. So, in that respect, Jimura was a good show. It visually was good. There were a lot of cool things in there. But, I mean, seriously, 
it's one thing to turn Tenshi Masaki into what he's become in OVA 3. It's another thing to have his half-brother be perfect. As far as the sequel goes, it need, I think Jim and R needs one. And I think, honestly, if it had a sequel, it could fix a lot of the problems that it had. Um, a lot of the plot points could be, you know, they could do kind of what they did in uh, St. Knight's Tale 1, or on Geminar 1, where they referenced back OVA 1. Well, they could do that in a sequel and reference the first one and kind of fill up those holes that they missed. Knowing Kajishima, that may or may not be coming down the line. Everyone, thank you so much for being in on Tenchikaz today and having the fantastic discussion that we did. Until next time, stay gold. Thank <laughs> you.